Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour, a podcast where we talk to uh, people about interesting things in the world of pop culture. And this week, we have got the lead singer and um, head guy from the band Set It Off. His name is Cody Carson, and I think you're going to really, really enjoy this. But before we go too far, I want to thank our title sponsor, Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Check it out. I am holding up the Scorpion, which is a very, very spicy one. It actually comes in hot on the hot meter. Um, I've got a couple of them here this week that I wanted to show you. We've got this one. We've got the Dark Side of the Grill, which is a newer one. This is one of my personal favorites, the Dill Pickle Serrano. And, um, and oh man, I, I listen, I, I, I love this stuff. And of course, the Blueberry Habanero. So go check out Heartbeat Hot Sauce. They come in these great bottles that kind of look like tattoo ink, which I think is really, really neat too. And if you use my code right below here, Rockman20, you'll get 20% off your entire order. So uh, let me bring in our co-host, Ryan Stick. What's going on, my man? I'm doing good. You're rocking a very cool Studio House Design shirt. That is the fourth kind. Now, um, Studio House Designs, uh, sponsors of the podcast. This week, I do not have a Studio House Design shirt on because um, my friends in Zarface sent me this shirt that they were wearing at the Boston Comic-Con. And uh, I was really grateful that they sent this. So I had this on. I wanted to keep it on. But we do appreciate Studio House Designs always making us look fresh. And that is an incredible shirt from an incredible movie. So uh, hats off to them for always uh, being supportive. Also, I mean, they give love to movies. They usually don't get no love. Like, who else is going to make a fourth kind shirt? Yeah. That's why I follow at Studio House Designs on Instagram. They're always posting new stuff and what's coming out. And uh, yeah, they're like, they're worthy of a follow. I, I got to say that. Did you see what's coming down the pipeline? I, uh, well, the sale last week was pretty cool. Yeah, like, but you got you to you gotta see what's coming. You're going to freak. Biodome. Okay. Biodome? Oh, cool. Biodome shirt. <laughs> I finally am getting one of those awesome VHS shirts that you've been yeah. rocking. I got the yeah. Toby Hooper one, and yeah. I got the Slacker pack, which yeah. is like all the movies from the 90s that I shouldn't have been watching when I was like 12 sure. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They do a great job with uh, with everything. So uh, thanks to them for always mm. uh, for always helping us out. And uh, and thanks to the Zarface guys for hooking me up. I, I love those guys. As you know, we've had uh, Esoteric on the podcast. Great dude. And uh, we'll have them on again for sure. So let's talk about this band. Set it off. Yeah. Uh, just discovered this band maybe a few weeks before we did this recording. And um, I really like this band. You and I had a chance to sit on this one together, which is always fun. And uh, what a great guy Cody is. I mean, really come on, so much great energy, just positive. Someone that when we were chatting with him, I wanted to hang out with him more. You know, yeah. somebody I could, I, I could, he could fit an our friend arsenal, if you know what I mean. Like I could see him fitting in with our friends easily. Absolutely. And I'm just so glad I'm in a place in my life where, you know, you know, when you're younger and you think you're going to be a rock star and yeah. then when people are doing, having more success than you, there's this little part of your brain that's thinking, why don't I have that success? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I gave up that train a long time ago and now I'm just thrilled when Same. people, when people, when people achieve things, I'm like, awesome. You're Same. leaving your mark. You're making people happy. You're doing what you love. And I, oh my, everybody, this is like one of the, my favorite interviews we've ever done on the show. Cause we talk not only what it's like to be a musician, but what it's like to be a YouTuber and trying to, you know, what it feels like when some videos pop, when they don't, it is yeah. so fascinating. So e even if you've never heard of set it off, which you should, and they're an amazing band, just who this dude is and his tenacity and work ethic is so yeah. interesting to listen to. So, oh yeah. 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 And, and, one of my favorite apps. Yeah. And I agree with you when you're saying that it's so nice to be able to enjoy someone's success mm -hmm. through 
um, through a really nice lens, not a not a not a uh, a jealous one, through a really appreciative and just you're not an I Tanya lens, you know. <laughs> Exactly. I never once wanted to smack him in the leg with a bar. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. There was no I, Tanya vibes in this one. At all. <laughs> well put. All right. Let's go to our chat with Cody from the band. Set it off. So are you, you're in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm so, in like, this, I'm, in, I'm in the shit of it. I'm like right in central Hollywood. It's absolute I, chaos. Dude, I used here. to live on, I used to live on Yucca and Coenga. Uh, no way. I'm yeah. on Yucca and McCadden right now. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so funny. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking That's about. That's so funny. So is Goldfinger still there? Uh, I, I don't, I think. Well, the Yucca, um, mar- the Yucca Market's still there, right? Well, and I think you're talking, talking about the band. No, 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 no. Uh, not <laughs> Goldfinger. No, not Goldfinger. Yeah. I hey, we're in your bedroom. No, no. <laughs> no, Goldfinger. I, like, I think he lives up in Calabasas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Goldfinger's uh, is, was a liquor place or there was a club on Yucca. And then there's right, uh, wow. right around the corner, there's the Yucca Market. I don't think either of those are, are there anymore. Okay. All right. <laughs> when, I, when I moved there, they were just started building the Kodak Center. Oh, uh, okay. It wasn't there. It was like a pit. Um, really? And they and I remember because I was lining up to go see uh, Phantom Menace in 1999 and oh. it, at the at Mans and right around the corner, like everyone was lining up. And I remember looking into that construction pit going, oh, they're going to build something big here. And, and they built the Kodak, Kodak Center. Do you, did you make some friends from the um, when you were lining up? Because I know a guy that organized one of those those uh, like waiting for the movie things. OK, does the name Peter Genovese mean anything to you? That does. I, that name sounds very familiar. He's I, I met him recently. I did a I did a hike out here that was a Star Wars themed hike. Yeah, that he sounds, like um, that he, he very like, familiar. Found a place where they were shooting Mandalorian and just did a hike. I was like, hey, they did that scene right there. It was really fun. So, um, but then I so I became friends with him, and then I went on a hike, and he was telling me about like what he did in L.A. and in the '90s, he would host all nighters that would be that would turn into people like camping out for like uh, yeah. Star Wars movies. Well, well, the thing is, back then when when they put out Phantom, Phantom Menace. They did round the clock screenings. So can you imagine like you've got all these people that were into Star Wars from like started with 77, 80, 83. Yeah. And then there was this drought from 83 to 99 where there was fucking nothing. Yeah. Besides oh novels God, right. and video games, there was nothing, 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 nothing. So when they put that in theaters, it at man's had it running 24 hours. So I remember I lined up and I went to go see on opening day. I saw a screening at five in the morning. Imagine that. Oh, wow. Imagine that many people be wanting to see something that would go round the clock to see it. That's amazing. So it was, it was pretty fucking A 5 a.m. movie. I can never, I can say oh. I've never done that. I and would. I, <laughs> yeah, no, I would too. But when I think about it now, and it's funny when um, there's this movie called Fanboys. Have you seen Fanboys? Oh, I, I've heard about Fanboys. I have not seen Fanboys. So Fanboys is really good because it's all about these guys that want to go see, um, they want to go see episode one, but it's, and it's right before it c- comes out. And one of their friends gets diagnosed with cancer and he's got, like six months to live and he wants to see it before he dies. So he decides that they're going to break, they, they, a bunch of friends decide they're going to break into Skywalker ranch and they're going to fucking no steal a print of the movie. It's just, it's, you have to see oh it. Oh my God. It. I can't, I gotta see this. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And we I, have, I'm, I'm looking at the cover of the movie right now. Yeah. I remember hearing about this movie. Okay. Yeah, I gotta check this out. It's very good. All right. So let's get to business. You good, Ryan? Yeah, now I want to talk about fanboys, but okay. <laughs> we can talk about fanboys. I don't care. We, we Listen, this is our podcast. We can talk about whatever the fuck we want. I mean, we've got Cody here, Cody's game. He's no talking. rules. There's no rules. None at all. We can talk about whatever we want. So if we want to talk about fanboys for 25 minutes, Ryan, you fucking be you. 
<laughs> but I think we should no, talk about what, what Cody does a little bit too. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think we should, you know, uh, we have, we have, a, we have a house guest yes. in the Rockman power hour today. So we should have some, <laughs> so, uh, so Cody, thanks for, for jumping on with us, man. Um, uh, full transparency. I, um, I had not heard of you before mm-hmm. a week ago and totally fine. And in the last week I've been submersed in your stuff. Um, going through music, going through your content. And uh, immediately I'm like, I want to be friends with this guy. And, <laughs> and that was, and that is a huge feat because listen, there's so much stuff out there and there's so much shit that you have to cut through um, to get to something yeah. that's good. And there's so much, everybody's making noise, but when somebody makes noise and you hear about it and then it ends up delivering, it's like hats off to you, man, because the Thank songs you. are undeniable. The songs are undeniable. I mean, and every song is undeniable. and I, I want to get to the bottom of how, when did you realize that you could write songs that were so catchy? <laughs> because you write catchy fucking shit. And Ryan, Ryan and I were saying the same stuff. We're like, this stuff's like undeniable. I mean, <laughs> right, Ryan? It, well, actually, when you told me yesterday, you're like, hey, do you want to do an interview with a, a band tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Like, what are they called? So I look it up and first video is about projectors and I'm, uh, about rocking parties <laughs> with projectors. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel seen. Because <laughs> that's all I do, dude, at my parties and stuff like that. There's projectors everywhere. And yeah. I'm like, and there's colored hair, and everyone's having a good time. And I'm just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> there's so much fucking contrived misery in music. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like where it's absolutely it's like sad cells. And uh it's really nice to be brought back to a time where I'm just like, I kind of want to have a house party. And I want this band to be playing in the corner right before the cops come in. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly yes. the feeling of this only band. only like a 15 second set right before the cops show up and then we're out of there. <laughs> or like in Can Hardly Wait, where the band doesn't even get to play. They're like about to one, two, three. Yeah. Bang. And <laughs> it's over. <laughs> so so when did you when did you figure out that you could write pop songs? Because you write. I mean, and the thing is, they're. I, and I hate using the word pop because it sounds like it sounds so disposable, but, but there's, a, yeah. but you can, you write catchy fucking stuff, like really catchy. And it just feels like there's even though it's one song where you're talking about, you know, when, basically, when am I going to get over you? Like, it, like I, I date girls that look like you, like, but I'm happy listening yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you know, That's so one of my favorite moves is the, uh, the sad lyrics over the happy song. <laughs> right. Like, it's like fucking stealth mode. It's like, oh, I'm going to fucking remind you of something that really sucks, but you're going to smile it's the like, whole time. It's cathartic in the way you're like, I didn't realize I was getting over something. I, yeah. I, I felt happy. <laughs> uh, for me, it was, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. It's, um, it's been a long journey of writing. I, I, I started when I was about 18 or 19 um, my ex-brother-in-law at the time, uh, I was in, I was, he got me to my first band and he would write all the songs. And I loved that. I thought that was so cool. I, I played drums. It was like a ska band. And, um, I didn't do any writing then. I was just wanting to maintain a band. I wanted to just be in one. And then, um, that band dissolved. And then me and him started a band, uh, together and he kind of started teaching me how to write. And right. the thing that always kind of like threw me off was how people write melodies. Mm-hmm. Like he would just be like, but something like like I would be like you're just doing gibberish in your head. You have confidence to just shut off your brain and whatever happens happens. Right. And if it sucks, who cares? And I I I that was the hardest like hump for me to get over was just letting things come out of your brain yeah. unedited because mm-hmm. I think everybody wants to your your creative idea to come out perfect first try and that's 
that's what wider, writer's block is. Yeah. You're just not allowing the idea to suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and, and, and <laughs> you know, I, someone recently said this, that the most successful people are the ones that aren't afraid to go out and fail and fail yeah. repeatedly. And, yeah. but if you don't try, if you don't just, if you don't like, as they say in acting, if you don't break the ceiling, then you're never yeah. going to be able to pull it back. Mm. So I agree with you. Like to be able to just have to, to I think it's fear. Fear stops so many people yeah. from doing anything. So um, you don't seem it's like a, you know, they, you're, you're not want to be rejected. I can tell by the way you write melodies that you don't sound like you're scared to give it a try. No, I, I, I think I used to be a little bit more nervous, but that has all gone out the window. Oh, fuck yeah. I think like, yeah. I think I just got like more confident full disclosure. When I was in that ska band, like I, I, I eventually uh, weaseled my way into also singing background vocals and <laughs> There was this other drummer that started coming around that was trying to take my job. I remember this, and yeah. um, everyone loved him. He was like a really cool guy. And that was so that didn't that wasn't fun. Yeah. But we were on our we were in the van on our way to a show, and me and our trumpet player Brian were singing "Newfound Glory" at the top of our lungs. And he goes, "You should really stick the drums." And I've always that has always stuck with me. I've always had that as like a chip on my shoulder, and I, I've always been a chip on my shoulder underdog kind of person. If someone tells me I can't do something, I now want to do it very well and i want you to know that i can do it now <laughs> that's you're, you're you're talking to two the, you're talking to two guys yeah. that have the biggest fucking chips on their shoulders yeah. in the world then you get it man like it's it's always been that way and i i i think um when when i really dive into something i kind of become borderline obsessed with it and uh I, i'm not borderline I, I become obsessed with it like so then once i i realized so i wrote up my first song was like this song called your game um, it's, it's, it's so funny to look back at what I was upset about at the time. There's this girl that was giving me signs that I thought like we were, she was flirtatious and I was like, oh my God, I, cause I really liked her. And then I find out that she was doing all this and then I went lead in for a kiss and she goes, oh no, I have a boyfriend. And I was like, Ugh. I was so under the impression that like we had a thing and I thought this was something special and it like hurt my feelings. So I wrote a song and that's where that started. <laughs> but I, I grew up listening to like Max Martin based songs like in yeah. sync um, Britney Spears, but also a lot of pop punk, pop rock, and new metal. It's kind of all over the place, but as far as the melodies that I like the most, it was like in sync. I, yeah. I, I, I can always point back to them. Right. And then so yeah. I was like, okay, well, why do I like that? And I was like, oh, it's this guy, Max Martin. So I started studying. And he does not have videos anywhere. So I started looking up videos of interviews of people who anybody that's worked with him. I started looking up round tables of writers. I watched a three-hour lecture from a writer and took notes like it was a college class because I didn't have anything else to go off of. And um, that that helped me quite a bit. And I, I think another thing that helped me out quite a bit is I – I don't have a lot of pride. Like I don't mind asking questions. Yeah. I, I can say, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me out? Sure. And that has helped me out quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to get better. And yeah. the only way I think every album, I have a goal of to try something that I haven't done before. Um, like for instance, I grew up listening to a lot of like rap and hip hop too. Mm -hmm. And I was always nervous to try it. Like that was, I was very nervous to dive into that. And the first experience I had really giving it a shot was our song Hypnotized, yeah, which is on our album Upside Down. And I was like, people might hate this. They might think I'm corny. No, I don't you, know. You can, I'm, as they say, you can spit. Thank you. When <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was, I was pleased to see that people like were, were receptive to it. So I was like, okay, now I know I can check that box and now I can do that. That's now in my arsenal and I can now right. do that moving forward. Right. And by experimenting with these things that have made me uncomfortable before and stepping outside of my comfort zone, I feel like it's opened me up to try new things like uh, writing wise. You know, what I really love about what you're saying right now is that you don't seem contempt with like, you know, your friends telling you you're cool. 
<laughs> and, and, <laughs> no. and that's good enough. Like you, you know, you've grown up playing in bands and stuff. I, I haven't been in ska bands. I've been in many punk bands and I always met these people that had a lot of talent and a lot of, there was something in them, but at the same time, they were more than contempt with just playing in front of the same 30 people who all told them they were awesome at all times. Yeah. But then you see that one guy in that band who like, like you strives for more. And it's really cool that you did that, not only in a, a musical ability aspect, but you brought in your musical horizons. Everything you're saying right now, I wish I was as cool as you are now when I was a teen, because I could have got a lot more better because I put myself in a box, you know, that fucking punk box that everyone puts himself in. Yeah, Because yeah. in punk, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to the do rules. that. Let's talk about the irony of the rules of the uh, punk police just for a second there. <laughs> What the I'm, fuck? I'd love to talk about this because this never gets discussed. There's yeah. Yeah. so many things that I was on the edge of not doing. Yeah. Of like, I mean, for real, like one big one was like a huge one was playing live with tracks. That was mm. like, oh man, I there, I wanted so badly to never do that because mm. I was like, no, because it means we should be able to play everything that's coming through those speakers. And then you realize that. Well, can you afford an orchestra? No. Do you want it in the song? Yes. Well, then maybe you're going to have to adjust a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then there, there's that. And there's also like, I was really stubborn when I first started writing. I thought I had to write everything alone. I need, it needs to be me in my bedroom with my guitar and every song has to be that way. And if it's not, then it's not set it off. And I had to get over that. And what I mean by that is I had a co-writing session when we were, I think my first co-writing session was when we were writing our album Cinematics. And I remember being so hesitant. I'm like, I don't want somebody else telling me how I should sound. Mm. I don't want somebody coming in and, and, and taking over. And then what, then it's their song, you know? And then that's how my brain was moving into that. And then mm. I realized the beauty of doing that is, is you start opening yourself up to it. You, you could have, you could give a hundred people the same chord progression, the same four chords and put them all in different rooms and they'll come back in and everybody's melody and lyrics will all be entirely different. Yeah. And I think that's, what's the coolest thing about it is, it's it's another for me. I love it because it's a way for me to learn. I get oh, yeah. better by writing with other people. Like your brain works this way. I would never think that way. And I think you subconsciously like absorb all this new stuff. But before I was like, no, dude, fuck that. Same, <laughs> I wanna, same, yeah. same. And now I love it. I I, I crave collaboration. I want to work with yeah. other people. I want to work on stuff that's not even our stuff. Like yeah. it's just it's a really really good time. It, it really is. And and it's like you know what Ryan was saying and, and what you're saying. Like the the, the way that you can. Uh, and being someone who was in a band before and, and had an opportunity, I remember specifically being in a studio with a producer who said, we can either record your demos and you pay me for them, or we can record your demos. I'll help co-write and you guys don't have to pay anything, but I'm going to come in as a, as a writer. I'll be a fifth member. We were like, fuck that. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, we wrote songs and that guy wrote hits with other people after, and we could have yeah. learned, but that's like Ryan saying, I wish, you know, it always looks 2020 when you're looking back, you know, it's always yeah. crystal clear what you should have done, but it's part of the process. But the fact that you're open oh, yeah. to that and you recognize that shows that there's humility there. And, and I think sometimes maybe we're from that generation, some of us where we're so fearful of all the horror stories we've heard of bands getting fucked and they do get fucked. Oh yeah. Over and yeah, over again. Absolutely. You know, it's just, it's such a disgusting business, but at the same time, the other side of it is that creating is incredible and it's an incredible way yeah. to share energy. So to find that, to, to kind of crack the code and find a way to be happy doing that and still retain a bit of, you know, like, okay, I've got a bit of creative control, but, but it's good to be able to experience and other things. And, and, and I wish looking back on it, you know, I wish I could have collaborated more 
on on music with with other writers because so many bands are so fearful of that. I think I I was fortunate enough to be eased into it in a way. Yeah, like it wasn't like you have never done a co-write. Tomorrow you're doing a co-write. Mm. Like we did you're six uh, guys first... in a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go figure it out. <laughs> it was like we did an EP with Paul Levitt and. Paul Levitt's, uh, I would consider more of an engineer, but he's very smart about mm. like song structure and he, he sure. gets it. Yeah. Um, but he won't force his opinion on you. And so there is this ballad I wrote called I Promise. It was, it was I think it was a five and a half minute initially. It was, it's still long, but uh, the, it was, it was too long. And I was, it was so precious to me and I wanted it to stay exactly how I wrote it. And basically I brought it in and, and then him and the guys were all like, this isn't making the EP. And I was like, no, uh, why? I love I, this song's great. Let's let's make let's come on. Let's make it work. Yeah. <laughs> and um, mm. and so I I had if I wanted it to work, I had to kind of you know bend a little bit. And so his suggestions were coming in and feeling so hesitant to accept any sort of criticism. And then I I I did it. I changed the chords that he suggested. I cut things out that he suggested. And I was like, no, this is better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's the only reason why. I think had I not had that experience, I would have. I don't know if I still would have done co-writes like right. having somebody come in and, and, and put their hands on the stuff that you hold so dear. And then being able to go like, okay, is it better? And then you see the, I also, you see the reactions of your bandmates and you see that they're more excited and that sure. helps too. It's, and the, I think that's, it's, it's ego deflation and it's, yeah. and, and it's tough sometimes, but Ooh. when it's for the greater good of the song, it's great when that happens. Yeah. Dude. Ego is such a, such a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it, it can it can be uh, it can be a silent killer, and uh, and a lot yeah. of people don't even realize they're wrapped up in it. And we all it all hap it happens to all of us, you know. Yeah, the but, hardest uh, thing is finding the balance of ego. That's something that I'm looking at in my yeah, life right now. You have to have a little bit of it to get by. Yeah, that. exactly. Like you know? like I used to be all over social media. Like I used to be YouTube covers, updating you about everything about my life on uh, posting on Instagram uh, uh, every every single day. And I notice I post less and. I think my how I value ego is changing, and mm. I, I know other people want to be involved. This is just something I'm letting you in on, like a personal thought yeah. of mine. No, sure. Um, I, I like, but there is also this thought of like, do I need to be posting all the time? Uh, do people? Do I really like? Do I want to be doing that all the time? And it's just something that I find interesting because like mm. you do need it. Yeah. yeah, like especially as an artist, like you have to have that bit of like, yeah, you want to hear about my life. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah. You want to know yeah. everything going on right now. <laughs> yeah, you have to. You but have yeah. to have a bit. I mean, you have to kind of be built for that. You have to be built for yeah. being, you know, not being afraid to live your life out loud and and live your life under not a, under a microscope, but to be open and let other people. But then you you open yourself up to a lot of criticism. It's it's oh, tough. Yeah. It can be very tough. But if I think sometimes when you're when you're a performer, um, you're just a performer, no matter however you're, you're performing, you know, and it's, and it's sometimes mm -hmm. just finding, finding the perfect balance. And I agree with you, like, you know, pumping content out all the time can be great, but sometimes yeah. you're watering your content down and it's, it's just such a delicate balance. And this is all a new world. Like yeah. this whole world that we're living in is maybe, you know, a very late teen in, in its early twenties, you know, barely. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's going out and getting bombed on the weekend, but still has to study. You know, and yeah, it hasn't <laughs> that's had a good point. It hasn't had kids yet. You know, it hasn't it hasn't yeah. paid bills. It hasn't had a chance to reflect and give advice. So we're living in a very weird time and, and you see it all kind of changing and and shifting. But, you know, someone like yourself, who you, you had quite a, a big following on YouTube before the band, um, you know, about content, you know, about what you need to do with the consistency, all that. Stuff. Yeah. So I think a, yeah, there's, I, there's a lot of work ethic that goes into doing that as well. 
Oh yeah, I, I, I'm actually working on a, a cover right now. I um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hopefully finish mixing it today, and already shot the video for it. But okay. um, like I still want to keep doing that stuff. Yeah, because you know? like, your covers are great. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I the, the, was the, what I realized is I need to do it for me. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was before. It's like it started feeling like I was doing it for somebody else, and I've always been kind of I always kind of pushed against that. Like when I was growing up. Um, like my, my career pursuit, like I was, I was pursuing clarinet before I was in a band <laughs> and I had to practice every day it had to be 30 minutes a day minimum. And then I realized the moment that my parents had to check in with me, be like, are you practicing is when I started to be like, well, no, I want to say that I'm practicing, you right. know, like then it becomes, yeah. I'm doing it for you. And I think if it's like, well, you need to be posting more. Then it's like, well, then I, now I'm not doing it because it's fun. I'm doing it because it's a job. And the whole yeah. reason I got into this is because I want to enjoy it. Yes. So mm. I, I, the song I chose is, is so indicative of that. I just chose um, uh, Stand Out from a Goofy movie. It's not even the number one song from that movie. <laughs> but it's a great no, song. Dude, and, it's the song. It's the first song you hear a power line. Oh, and yeah. it's so exciting. Goofy movie, like that movie could have been crap. But yeah. it, it's beyond good and stand so it stand out is so great. It's, the, oh my it's God. the moment of that of that song. Like and it's like every every kid that was picked on that was a nerd, like when you see this part where the, the whole movie starts, he's getting just shredded by everybody. And then mm. he interrupts a pep rally and all these guys that were just picking on him are all of a sudden like that guy's cool, which maybe that's where I wanted to be a performer. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that's I that's it, I, man. We all have this fantasy of going on our high school stage and wowing our peers yeah. into, whoa, that guy's all right. <laughs> the voice. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I, oh. I, and what's funny, when I was tracking the vocals for it, I kept playing the scene on loop just because it, it brought me so much joy. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Especially when they accidentally pull the rope and all of a sudden he's flying oh, around he's going, and yep, there's this yep. elevation. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, those songs have no scene. business being as good as they do, but but they are. Yeah, oh. I made a more rock version of it. I'm really, really excited about it. So that's going to be coming out soon. So how do that's you? That's awesome. I will. I will share the bejesus out of it. <laughs> Please it do. Up, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. how, how do you find the balance? time wise to, to, you know, cause I mean, obviously if you've got the band, um, yeah. there's a certain amount of time that has to be spent to the band, you know, dedicated to the band, all oh, the yeah. stuff that goes in, you know, recording an album, touring cycle, all that, you know, planning out merch, all that stuff. How do you find the balance between that and then still curating your personal stuff? Is it, man, that, that has always been like, um, a balancing act for sure. And yeah. I think the number one thing is I have to just really go with my gut. Like I almost fell into a hole of just like too much on my plate mm -hmm. for the first time in a while, right. like this week. Okay. Like I, I said yes to too many things. Yeah. And then I'm like, sorry, I do. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, 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 not this. This is, this is, you know, I'm sitting down, we're, we're chatting. This, this is an hour. I'm talking about like uh, another cover that I was going to do that I unfortunately had to tell this guy, I'm like, hey man, I feel so bad, but yeah. like, I would have to record vocals, comp vocals, make sure everything's sounding good. Then I would have to go film it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can do all that. And then I have to prepare the set. So it was just one of those things of like, I'm still going to do it, but it was like, I have to be able to balance this better. Yeah. And that was one thing that I kind of missed about like the, like YouTube before covers before was just acoustic guitar, you and a camera, one take done. And now it's, uh, I understand why it's not that now, but like it became like some if people were doing full music videos and full productions and they were sure. probably able to hire those people yeah. to record mm. their stuff. And I had, I could not afford that. So but the also, bars raised. Yeah. Yeah. Heavily. And that means more time. Yeah. And so that's been like tough to like balance. But once I, if I have a lot of time off or personal stuff, I'm like, okay, I can tackle this thing and I, and I really want to do it. So I'm going to do it. Um, for Twitch, 
the hardest part was setting all this up. And then after that, it was just getting it going. It was a lot of fun. And then I'm trying to think what else. Band-wise, that one's the easiest thing for me to like navigate, I think. Yeah. Like when it's album time, I'm I'm writing Monday through Friday. I want to I want to be in the studio as, as as many days as I possibly can, writing as many songs as I possibly can. That just seems like a no-brainer to me. But then as, as far as like content or anything like that, if it's if our team gets together and like, "Hey, we need to do this." I'm like, "All right, cool. Right. It's on the list now. I'll go check it off." Right. And um but yeah, that's that's pretty much how I guess I, I look at the whole thing. If I want to do it and I love doing it, I'll do it. If it seems like a burden and I think it's going to make me unhappy, I go with my gut and I think I have to just make the call. Oh, so I, I just got to ask you this, just as someone who's been playing on YouTube as long as YouTube's been around, almost yeah. as long as it has. I remember video editing and performing before YouTube and how jazzed I was that nine people would either hear or see me. Like just yeah. so jazzed because you're like, these are nine human beings with birthdays and other things to do. <laughs> and they're here paying attention to me. Now, YouTube for the first little while, I'm like, wow, 30 people. But now there's an expectancy in my brain where if it's yeah. not a certain amount of number, yeah. the entire process has no validation whatsoever. Yeah. And that's an ongoing struggle. I could say even at 38 and I've been on playing around on YouTube since about 23. Yeah, it's. It's crazy that all these years later, the number has got into my head and can compromise my enjoyment of something. But before YouTube, this is what I do. This power hour, everything is what I live for. I yeah. love doing this. And if it was to take be taken away from me, I'd be so sad. Exactly. But at the same time, here I am staring at this number like a dick, ruin, <laughs> ruining my the yeah. process of my enjoyment in life because I'm so focused on this. This. As a creator, do do you ever pay attention to the numbers and does it ever dissuade you from the trajectory you're on? Absolutely. I, I would be lying to you if I said it didn't bother me. Yeah. I, I mm. the it's there's because you know what it is, and it, it doesn't make anybody a dick to be to be looking at the number like it's, it's in a way it's like you're performing and this is your show and this is how many kids showed up. That's it. And mm. yeah. and and you look at it like that, and you're like, oh, okay, well, this is my value, but what it, where we the reason we're like this is because of how much weight people put on promoting it, and now it's become this cycle where we have to promote it if the numbers are big because every everybody knows per, like like what we've learned is perception is everything. everything. Whether you're mm. killing it or not, if you got a big number, you're posting it up there because everyone needs to think that you're fucking killing it. Yeah. And other people are we actually it's funny we had a discussion about this recently about how all these other artists we're seeing are so good at humbly bragging, yeah <laughs> and. They're just like, man, I can't believe I got to do this in front of this many people and blah. I'm so blessed. Yeah. But if you didn't that, I'm so blessed. And you reworded it a bit. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> I just played in front of all these people. Look at me. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's essentially what they want to say. Sure. But sure. It, yeah, yeah. but it's because it shows how you're doing. And I, my, my, I think my flaws. I want to like like do that quietly, and it's not how I can do it. And that's the annoying thing about it. But the the hard part too is like when we when we when something doesn't hit the way I want it to hit. It, I get in my head. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. oh, I do. Because yeah. you want to like, you're comparing to other people and how can you not when everything is so accessible? So it is It is definitely a struggle when you're looking at like views on a video compared to what it used to be. Then you start analyzing like, okay, well, why did this one not work? Why did this one work? And and, and then what's the formula? And there, the truth is a lot of it, there is no formula. 
Um, there used to be easy ways, like in YouTube, what I loved, they, that, but they unfortunately got rid of is the way I would get any videos in front of people is they used to be able to respond in the comment section with a video. Right. So I would like for a cover, I would go respond to the main video of that song with the cover. And, but that's the only way I would have gotten any eyes yeah. on it. Yeah. And I just mm -hmm. lucked out that that feature was around. Like, I genuinely think if that feature wasn't around that I probably wouldn't have gotten like a, a kickstart there. I, I think what it comes down to now and what people always ask me and what, and what I, what I try to live by is consistency and, yeah. and you got to build it the way you would build anything. Like back in the day when you would build going to a show, like, you know, you flyer, you play the show and you're consistent and you're just, you're just mm -hmm. consistent. So with content, if you're consistently do, if you're, you know, if your things once a week, you do it once a week and without fail, you do it. And there's going to be some weeks it's going to be great. And some weeks it's going to suck, but as long as you're doing it, you're in that constant state of working. That's the only yeah. way that you're going to get any eyes on anything. Cause otherwise totally you, you'll never do it. You'll just be like, Oh fuck it. It's not worth it, but it, it is yeah. worth it. And it's also not getting wrapped up in the results. It's being wrapped up in the work. Yep. That's you a know? great piece of advice right there. Yeah. Wrapped like, up in the results, uh, wrapped in the work, not the results. Yeah. Cause when it's, you're wrapped, when you're wrapped up in the results, you're, you're just, you know, and it's, it's not a nice place to be. Yeah. No, it can be deflating. Absolutely. Oh, but, the worst. but the good thing, but what matters at, at the baseline though, is do you love it? Yeah. And right. I think it always has to go back to that. And sometimes you can get so wrapped up in what you want, what you want it to be, where you think it should be, that sometimes it's hard to take a step back and think about what it was. And then like, like, okay, well, before it was this. And then now I can say that, that it's, that it's, it's grown at least this much. And like some, like, like little rewards. And if it's not even that, just at least there's, it's the enjoyment of doing it overall. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're 18, 19, sure. There's like some sort of like dream in your head of, I want to be the biggest band in the world, or I want to be this or be that. But the, what you're, I want to really play in front of my it. school stadium, singing power line songs exactly. and everyone's going to yes. think I'm cool. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt the principal and everyone's going to love me. <laughs> but like, it's, it's all, the, it's all because of the love of, of music. It's all because of the love of performing. And it's all, you know, I, I remember being um, a teenager and, <laughs> you know, watching Ferris Bueller's day off. And everybody wants to play in a parade, you know? And yeah. I remember the radio station I worked for, um, the first year I was there, they knew I used to be a musician. They were like, hey, Rockman, how about we get a band together and you sing on a float during the St. Patrick's Day parade? And I was like, yes, please. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> And it That's was like, amazing. it was my Ferris Bueller moment where I got to be in a parade. It was fucking That's amazing. Awesome. Dude, I saw that. I know you saw that. And I think I was drunk as shit, but I saw it, man. You, <laughs> you were uh, singing. You're actually singing Smells Like Teen Spirit when you passed by where Probably I was standing. Sounds about right. But that's yeah. really cool. But it's th those. But I never thought. And now, you know, we, we did it. I think we did it seven years in a row. And at one point we were just all bitching. Oh, it's too cold. Our fingers are cold. And it's yeah. like, wow, <laughs> that went away really quick. You know, yeah, and, the, the, the honeymoon phase. The honeymoon phase went over <laughs> where we're bitching about being Ferris Bueller's day yeah. off now. So it's <laughs> but it's it's funny how you know what I love about you and and what I love about what I'm seeing now by chatting with you is you really, really genuinely love what you do. And it comes across, it comes across in the music, comes across in the way you, you handle yourself. And um you're one of these guys, I'm sure, that's you know, not hard to cheer for because you seem like <sighs> you're one of the good guys. So Thank you. Kudos for I try to be. It comes across. <laughs> it really does come across. So when does the tour kick off? The, the tour begins August 25th and it goes until September 26th. And, and you're, uh, you're heading off to the UK too, right? 
Uh, yeah, so that, that one's a crazy story. But yeah, so, so we're no, going to start us, tell by tell doing. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. But this first one, we're doing the makeup dates with some 41 Simple Plan. Yeah. Uh, we had like postponed. So that's happening. Canada dates all across Canada. It's been, I think, four years for some cities because of the, the holdback. Yeah. So super excited to get back out there. Some U.S. cities as well. And then the U.K. one. So basically, we've had this plan since 2019. Wow. Um, and this was supposed to happen. And the first reason was not because of COVID, why it got postponed, is because I had a vocal injury. Ooh. So I had like a um, a vocal hemorrhage. So I had to like go on vocal rest for two weeks. I had to get surgery, laser off a vein, Ooh. had to recover, liquid diet. It was awful. Holy Every singer's shit. worst nightmare. Yeah. But now I've learned a lot from it and I feel way more confident and comfortable. But whoa, whoa, whoa. how does one prevent getting lasered in the neck? Like, what, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> It sounds like it's something out of a superhero movie. Well, you just gotta, you know, be on your best behavior. <laughs> but, no, the um, basically, I there is this thing that I don't. I think I've discussed this with other singers, and a lot of other people do it on the last day of tour. You kind of have a fuck it day, mm -hmm. meaning whereas you would be so overcautious, like oh, I have three shows coming up in a row, I'm gonna make sure I'm not yelling, drinking too much, or anything. And I did everything I shouldn't have done that day. I had nothing but coffee. I had a couple shots before I went on. And I was played in a room that was extremely dry. Like I was, Ooh. it was so dry that all, like I remember almost having to dry heave because I had no saliva in my uh. mouth. And I went up for a high note and felt something felt different. Uh. And um, then afterwards, I, al I already am a little anxious of a person and my guys are great, like Zach and Max. They know exactly when to calm me down. They're like, no, nah, everything's fine. I'm sure everything's okay. And then like, I think it was uh, three weeks later, I was like, well, my voice should be back by now. Got invited to go to karaoke, uh, sang Brian McKnight's back at one and went for the high note in the bridge and couldn't get close to it. And I was like, okay. So I got that checked out. Now what I know is I, how careful I need to be. Mm -hmm. Like I used to, it, the unfortunate thing is I used to go out after every show and talk to all the fans. And I never thought of that as like, a, oh, I'm hurting my voice. And my vocal doctor was like, you actually really have to stop doing that. And, and also, I, I, as you can't tell, I'm a very talkative person. I don't shut up ever. <laughs> so like, being able to have a voice and when I use it constantly is kind of a problem. So yeah. I have to be comfortable going on vocal rest on, on quite a bit. And yeah. so that's kind of how I handle it on tour. And, but that, and the rest of the bandmates are like, thank God someone told Cody to shut up. Oh, you know, they love messing with me. Yeah, they love it. <laughs> Yeah, the guys um, in my band, uh, they told me I had that condition, except I was the bass player and I never sang. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, you just got to shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, I never sang in that band. Hey, uh, Cody, I, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us, man. I know you got other stuff to do, um, but thank you again um, for, for, for being on the show. And um, I'm really, really glad we got to chat and, and we'd love to have you on again because you just you, I think it's the kind of thing where we could talk about anything. Oh, absolutely. I mean, did we talk about did we talk on. about your band at all a little bit? Eh? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Oh wait, but the end of that story, real yeah, quick, go is for it. that so that was it got postponed once due to that. Oh yeah, it's true. We're talking about UK twice. Go for it. Yes, twice due to COVID, and I think actually it might have been three times due to COVID because first time was obvious shutdown. The yeah. next time, all the agents out there were like ear to the ground. Is it time? And then it wasn't. And then it wasn't. And then it wasn't. Well, the end of the story so far is that 
almost everybody held onto their tickets. Wow. It's, they've been waiting for so long. It was, last time I checked, it was like 85% sold still the whole tour. Wow. And, and we're going back out there and it's like going to be the sweetest release of a show that we've played over overseas because everyone's been waiting so patiently. So that is going to be a really gratifying tour to finally, finally be able to happen. That that many people held onto their tickets. I know. We're so grateful. <laughs> Yeah. We did not know what to expect, you know, like circumstances have changed. So we're just really excited to get back out there and finally be able to play for them. Uh, where can people find more information on you guys? Well, if you want to come to a show, uh, we're, we're constantly touring. So setitoffband.com has all tour dates, anything like that. We also do VIP experiences, which we put a lot of uh, effort and thought into. Like, I love playing board games. Like, my favorite night out is not going to a club. It's playing board games at home. So I was yeah. like, we should have that experience with everybody. So we'll play, like, heads up, like everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's really fun. That and, like, we'll do an acoustic song. It's just a, it's a, it's a good time. That's great. So, and oh, they also get to stay in for everybody else if you want to get the barrier and claim, claim your spot. So it's uh, something else we offer. We got a VIP fan club. Uh, with a lot of exclusive stuff. I, I, I try to write like 40 songs per album. So we have a lot of leftover songs. And so those songs go to them. They just get like the demos. Wow. Um, great. It's a lot great. of fun. That's, that's awesome. And then we have all of our socials, which is just set it off stuff. Very cool. <laughs> Some people's VIP packages are, you get to stand next to us yeah. for three seconds. Yeah, and, we, yeah. and we're going to stand <laughs> far away from you with, with a plexi. Don't touch me. Yeah, yeah, don't touch me. <laughs> God. Where was it? Who's, um, who's you get to view? You get to look at us through a window. I saw one. Yeah. I can't remember which band it was recently that were doing photos, and they basically were all standing behind, and the people were standing in front. And it, and at one point, like the guys aren't even looking at them, and it was just like, man. And you know, yeah, they're charging like a thousand bucks for this. Oh god, and I'm not going to throw the band under the bus, but I think we all know, yeah, who or who what what's, yeah. what 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 pool what, you know what gene pool we're 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 coming we're pulling from when it comes to it's it's interesting with like navigating it now because certain people have different comfort levels of like getting it. close to yeah. you, but just don't do and, but one yeah to one band did the funniest thing ever. Um, so they are so they could be close to them. They wore hazmat suits. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's great. Dude, that's water parks for you, man. That they have they have a great sense of humor. <laughs> That's great. Hazmat suits. It's funny. There was this one photo op I saw where uh, a singer that will remain nameless is posing with fans for a meet and greet. And they're like seven feet apart from each other <laughs> awkwardly. And you look at each fan. It's the same kind of pose. And they're that far away. But this was 2016. Oh, no. So <laughs> No, come on. And then the next post you see is Rihanna and she's like hugging her fans. Oh, like, you know, yeah, yeah. there and it really makes you think like some Rihanna artists out there. Like such a dope person. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. 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 I would love to meet Rihanna. I saw her perform Me too. on the Kanye tour when it was Rihanna. It was Kanye, N-E-R-D, Rihanna, and Lupi Fiasco. Like Holy what a shit. fucking tour that was. I'll never yeah. forget that for as long as I live. And she was amazing. And at the time, Chris Brown was on tour with her and, and he came out and danced with NERD. So it was just nuts. Obviously. Wow. That all went. To yeah. Before the. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, she seems, she seems great. All right. We're going to let you go, man. Cause I know you got other things to do and I know you're probably too polite to tell us you got to go. <laughs> no, it's fine. Let's do this again. <laughs> 110%. Cody, thanks so much for taking the time, man. And, uh, and continued success, continue kicking ass. And it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Appreciate y'all, man. This has been a lot of fun. He told a story once about when he was, someone told him, like, maybe you should just stick to drumming, like when he was yeah. trying to sing. And something similar happened to me, like, uh, and, and like, you know, he kind of like got better at it out of, I don't know, not revenge, but, you know, spite. Yeah. And spite can take you a far away because I was playing guitar once and I was like 50 and I was learning how to play and I was singing and I didn't really, you know, admittedly probably sounded terrible. But one of my sister's friends 
they were hanging out and he, he left a few of them were in my sister's room. He comes out and he literally says, I just need to tell you you're awful. You're terrible. Oh, Please stop. That's yeah. Freaking and horrible. I, I know. I know. Or maybe I'm remembering those words and you know how you always yeah. remember memories sure, and you put yeah, just yeah, enough rosé on it. Yeah. Yeah. It probably wasn't even that mean, but it was still like to a 15 year old. And I'm just kind of like, Oh, really? Uh, terrible, huh? And then you. years and years and years later, I'm in Adelaide, Australia, performing in front of like a hundred girls. And I'm just thinking, fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I, I, yeah. I as you know, uh, I've, I've, I have a lot, I've had mm. a lot of haters in my life. I'll continue to have haters mm. in my life, but they fuel me. And, uh, you know, when yeah. I was in the, when I was in theater school, I remember I was in mm. a really bad point in my life, but I remember they held me back for a year, said, you can't continue. Uh, but I said, but I passed mm. my first year out of the three-year program. You can't continue. You're not ready. We want you to be really ready. We believe in you. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I redid my first year. And then at the end of it, when I had my evaluation to go on to my second year, which would, should have been my third year, they said, mm. well, you've proven to us that you can work at our level. You've done great. And I said, have I proven that I'm, I'm good enough for you guys? And they're like, yes, absolutely. I said, great. I quit. And I walked out. And I, and I remember that was just like <laughs> such a stupid. And then my son says to me the other day, he goes, dad, I think I might want to go into the professional theater program at Dawson. I was like, oh boy. Don't tell him your last. Yeah, name. be ready to do the first year twice. <laughs> so, how cool is uh, is Cody? What a great dude! Uh, the the best, and it's kind of like it's it's so weird because you know we you, you know you and I have talked to many people on various shows, various platforms over the years, and there was those people that you instantly get, and I find that Cody was one of those dudes. Yep, yep, and um really like he's like one of those guys that i hope sells 100 million records because i am positive will not be a dick about it exactly you know and, yeah. yeah and uh, uh is going to be performing actually tomorrow night in montreal mm -hmm. on the 30th so uh and they're also on tour right now so go, definitely go check out set it off just a, a great great band uh, great songs and great live show from what i've seen on youtube never seen them live but they do do put on uh, quite a show uh everyone i have spoken to because i have you know, of course, as you know, as you discover a band, all of a sudden everything becomes like, oh, they're everywhere in front of you. Once you discover them, yeah. you, you know, it's like, oh, you were always there. I just didn't see you. And uh, and I'm chatted with a few people that have been like, oh, man, they're great. We've been following them for years. And um, he's a great dude. The band's great. And uh, it's just positive. It's nice to see something positive in the world and someone that has positive energy. He reminds me a lot of my friend Nick, um, who uh, mm. my friend Nick, you know, Nick, uh, he was yeah. the creator of the show of the animated show that Mel and I were working on. Um, he's got mm. that same kind of vibe. He's just positive, a, a, a good guy. You know, you can kick him when he's down, but he's going to get up and he's going to, he's going to prove it to you. That he's going to be able to do this. And that's exactly the kind of vibe that I got from him. So really, really fun. Thanks to our title sponsor, heartbeat hot sauce. If you use our promo code Rockman 20 right there, you'll get 20% off your entire order. And now it looks like we're going to be doing some fun stuff with heartbeat in the next six months. Um, they've continued on as our, uh, as our title sponsor. And, uh, well, I don't want to give anything away, but you and I might be taking a little trip somewhere to see where the sauce happens. So let's, let's, <laughs> But let's not it's going to be very saucy. It's going to yeah. get saucy. Uh, and thanks to Studio House Designs, always making us look fresh. Ryan is sporting the fourth kind shirt, and you can check them out at studiohousedesigns.com. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out this week on the Rockman Power Hour. We've got a lot of stuff coming for you this fall. We have got a ton of incredible interviews coming your way. So make sure you like, subscribe, and tell your friends about this podcast if you're enjoying it. We appreciate the support. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to our producer, Julia Kajerski. And uh, thanks to my co-host, Ryan Stick. And we will see you next week on the Rockman Power Hour.